Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Well, happy happy Monday morning, Maddie. Happy Monday morning to you too, Kate. It's a, it's a beautiful Monday morning. Isn't it? It's gorgeous out. I went out for a walk uh, quite early as I tend to do these days and um, I kind of watched the sun come up and it was gorgeous. It was chilly, but really pretty. That is a key difference between you and I. Um, our love of sunsets. <laughs> Kidding. Or sunrises. Um, <laughs> the, the early morning thing. Like yeah. Kate, Kate will be like, okay, so, you know, meet for workout at 9am. I'll drive to Hamilton. And I am like, for me to be like activated, ready to go, ready to run at 9am, I'm really having to like smack myself to get up. But you've probably been up since five, just as your your body rises. Well, the other thing is just, you know, this is partly our difference in workout schedules. I work out with a few people who we all have jobs and they have to do their like nine to five. Mm -hmm. So we do our workouts. Like I'm meeting for warm up at 6.30 in the morning at High Park twice yeah. a week. <laughs> See, I always chose the after work option. Like right. we we met at 5.30. See, I hate that. I would hate after work. You're right. That is a key difference between us. Mm-hmm. And we should actually take a poll because I have a feeling that our audience, like most runners are either one, like they like fit pretty tightly into one camp or the other, you know? Yeah. They either really are early morning risers or they're like all about the after work. If, if I, there was a time when I would drive to the athletic center and get in a lift and a cross train before work. And that meant I had to wake up at 640 in order to do all that and be at work at time and waking up at 640 in the winter. Every day I would wake up and I would literally be like, oh, and then because then it's also cold like you have to not only convince yourself to get up when it's going to be dark for another hour and a half but it's also like chilly and you're probably all snuggly in your blanket and it's like yeah I get it but I I would treat myself also coffee shops in Toronto for some reason don't open till 8 a.m don't ask me why so weird it's so annoying but I would get up and I would go to I lived in this neighborhood with so many nice cafes, but I would have to go to Starbucks, but I would go and I would get myself a latte on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So that was my little reward for actually getting out of bed that I would buy myself a latte before my lift. Yeah. You know what? Whatever it takes. That seems very reasonable. And it took $4 at a minimum. Oh yeah. Again, Toronto Starbucks prices. That's uh, that's the reality of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you... <laughs> For for how much you hate early mornings, you certainly do a lot of them to cover international marathons. Yeah, but two a.m. is almost more of a late night than it is an early morning. Like I was actually, I was, I was in bed at like ten thirty, and I was having a heart because you know when you're anticipating, like it's like when you've got an alarm for the airport. Yeah, like you just have such a hard time falling asleep. Absolutely. Um, so I just I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep, and I must have been so annoying too. Uh, the person I share a bed with, um, <laughs> and then I I put on I put on a podcast. I put on another podcast. I tried white noise. I was like, ah, oh, I'm just gonna go sleep on the couch. And I think I slept about 45 minutes before my Aww. my 2 a.m. alarm went off. But that's okay. 
Yeah. Well, you uh, you definitely were wide-eyed and bushy-tailed ready for this Valencia Marathon, which also you wouldn't even have to be that awake to watch because it would wake you right up. Like it was a thrilling outcome. Oh yeah. And uh, the men's race, it was wild because can you imagine running with like five other people and you're 2k from a finish line and you're all on world record pace? No, I can't. Think about that scenario of like no one in human history has ever gone this fast before. And I'm with four other bozos who can probably do it. And in fact, did do it. Yes. And how annoying is that to be the second or third or even fourth of that group across the line still in 57 minutes. Okay. Like a time we've never seen before. And they are also rands. Right. So stakes were high in the last 2k of that race. Weren't they one second off of the world 15K record? About five seconds. Five seconds. But yeah, they were cooking. Right. They were still on world record pace um, in the first half of the race. But then when they flipped, the wind was at their back. So then they got even faster. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But they, they went out. They went out with obviously one goal because like that pace was quick from the gun. I love the uh, the write-up that Ben Snyder McGrath did for this, the article, because he breaks it down by the stats. And it, again, it kind of like puts it into perspective. So for instance, this group went through 5K in 1336, which is the Canadian 5K road record mm-hmm. for just that distance. Mm-hmm. They went through 10K in 2724, which is almost a full minute faster than the Canadian 10K record. Mm-hmm. And then, as we mentioned, they posted a 41-10 split at 15K, which is, as you mentioned, just five seconds off of Cheptegei's 15K world record that was set earlier this year. And then they held on for another 6K. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I would like to also add that third place, Ronex Kipruto, this was his yeah. marathon debut. Oh, yeah. First time at the distance. Went under the old world record by like a significant amount. You're seeing a lot of people who haven't run the longer stuff try the longer stuff because halves and fulls are running way more often than track races right now. And I think like track runners are like, ah, I'll run a half. Why not? Well, to that very point, world 1500 meter record holder Gensebe Dababa won the women's half marathon in her debut running 65-18 at her first crack at the distance which is also insane. Insane. And looked honestly chilling. Like, well, she always does, unless she's having a bad day. This is what I find interesting about Dababo. When she runs fast, it never, ever looks like an effort. It's on the days where she has like an off day, like she's, you know, struggling in a race and she wears it on her face. But when she ran 350, by the way, folks, that's the world 1500 meter record. She, first of all, did it almost completely alone. Mm -hmm. And she just looked like she was literally out for like a jog in the park. Yeah. There are, there are runners, like there are runners who have pain face from the word go. Like, it's just like, it's their, like, like they're focusing. Um, Like Gabriella, Gabriella Stafford. I love her. That girl looks like she's about to fall over. Like not, not her legs, but just the look on her face. Her, it's like the focus grimace. Exactly. Her form is incredible and doesn't fall right. apart, but she just, she looks stressed on her face and other people don't. And if they do look stressed, it's really bad. Right. Right. It, it indicates there's a problem, but yeah, true to form to Baba just looked totally 
like she was just having a great little, you know, training sesh, casually running this incredible time in her first ever crack. Emily Sisson. Oh, heartbreaking oh, story. Oh, God. Oh, I was so upset. I wanted I them to like auto adjust. I know it's not a track race, but I wanted like <laughs> someone to adjust it. And not that <laughs> Molly Huddle is amazing. Like I'm not looking for like Molly to lose a record, but just to be right. Emily Sisson has run the second and third fastest half marathon times of any American woman. Yeah. She's not on the record boards anywhere except for the women's only full record. Right. Which is honestly kind of a second tier record. Like it's still a record, but like she's just not run as often. It's not run as often. She doesn't have any of the major ones, but I swear to you, she's like second or third so many places. And I just wanted her to be first because she seems yeah. nice and hardworking and she's so freaking close. This is a family friendly program. She's so yeah. close. And then she so, was one second off. Anyway, yeah. I I really she ran amazingly. Like this is a absolutely killer time. So she's got yeah. that, but just to, yeah, to be that close over the course of, you know, 21.1 kilometers like there was one second somewhere in there i just know that feeling of being so close and like knowing yep. where you could have found that second if you'd only known so again for the record we are referencing molly huddle's american record of 67 25 emily sisson ran 67 26 again about as close as you can get in this distance of a race but i was just thinking if she had let's say it had gone the other way and Emily Sisson had pipped Huddle by one second and gotten the record, that would have been twice that Molly Huddle was just narrowly beat by a fellow American named Emily. Because if you remember back to those world championships a few years ago in the women's 5,000 meter where Emily Infeld oh, nipped she her snaked, at the line yeah, for, third. for the bronze. Yeah. Well, because Molly Huddle has almost like no international accolades. Right. But she has a ton of records, like 10 or 11. I counted it the other day. But yeah, she has so many American records. Yeah, she, she, she's incredible. And, and I don't, you know, I think it was when she ran that uh, half marathon American record. I think people thought it was going to stand for a long time. And it's really, really fun to see Sisson knocking at the door. Well, they're also like they're friends. Like they have the same coach. Right. And they're like yeah. occasional training partners. So that's also yeah. there. There really is. There's a lovely feeling of like someone you care about outperforming you and just like it, it does. It feels nice. I've well, we, we kind of talked about this in the last episode of the dirty stuff where, you know, Emma Coburn had the American record and kind of, I think, beat her own American record a couple times over. And then when Courtney Frerichs beat it back from her. Like there was genuine excitement on Emma's half, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, like it's happened to everyone. Like you've been beaten by teammates. And like, I always feel like if I have to get beat by someone, I would rather it be someone I care about. <laughs> totally. And respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Well, there, there was just so much cool stuff that happened at this Valencia Marathon. We've only talked about the half so far. On the full side, both the men's and women's course records were broken. Evans Chibet ran 203 flat, and which we hardly ever see. If you're thinking, I've never heard of Evans Chibet, cool. I hadn't really either. And he took some serious scalps. Like he beat Lawrence Chirono. Who else was on that list? Uh, Barani Legese. Like, 
he really held his yeah. own and ran, what was it, the fifth fastest time? Well, I don't know. It was his because uh, Chip Cheer Cheers was the fifth I fastest. I think his was also the fifth fastest time in history. And, like, he had a 205 flat PB before this. So he he was um, he's certainly an exceptionally strong marathoner. But his, like, half marathon PB was 102. His time of 203 flat was the sixth fastest ever. And he beat, oh, yeah, Lawrence Trono, who won Boston and Chicago in 2019. That's when we had normal races. Um, mm-hmm. He also beat Lalisa DeCisa, probably the most yep. consistent marathoner on the circuit right now, reigning world champion. And he beat uh, Barani Legese, who owns the third fastest marathon mark of all time, only behind Kipchoge and Bekele. Bekele. And honestly, because like he wasn't on our predictions list, Evans. Chibet. Absolutely not. He was. I looked around at a few other, you know, highly nerdy running sites. No one even included him in like a you know a dark horse category. <laughs> so okay, but here's what I think is kind of fun about this like COVID time that we're living in because there have been so few races. We're gonna. I think we're gonna see a lot of dark horses. Like okay, so for comparison, on the women's side, Perez Chepchirchir ran two seventeen sixteen fifth fastest time in history but she's also had a stellar last 18 months Mm -hmm. right like this year alone she's already set the women's only world half marathon record twice um and she won the world half championships back in october like we knew she was fit we she she was predicted to do well but evans chibet totally like opposite story and again i'm not surprised that we're like we shouldn't be as surprised when we see these amazing times in the current circumstances because people could be hella fit for a long time and just have no racing opportunities to show what they've got. 100%. There's going to be a bunch of people. Well, it also just, it's so uh, like individual how people have handled the situation. And that's no mm-hmm. shade to someone who's had a tough time. Guess what? It is hard. Like that's that's yeah. completely reasonable. So yeah, people who thrived under the, you know, I'll call it quote unquote old system of like you had teammates right. and a schedule and facilities and, you know, all these cool things. An indoor track. An indoor track. Oh, oh my gosh. I saw a video on Instagram the other day of a sprinter using a uh, car scraper to scrape off their spikes because they'd been doing strides on a snowy track. Oh my God. And I was like, this is honestly, this is funny, but also I'm finding this depressing. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my point aside. Side note, I did, um, I did, 16k no that's a lie i did 15k i did nine miles on a treadmill last week wearing a mask so yeah we're making the best with what we have i gotta say this is kind of gross but yeah i've also had to do some mast running and weightlifting and things like that recently and um it's it's nasty and i hate how my skin looks if anyone has Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I've normally got pretty good skin. If anyone's got like Zit Blaster 500, I'll take it because I'm not enjoying this exercised mask wearing. But that's an aside. The mask knee is is real Mm -hmm. for sure. But yes, the people who thrived under the old model of how our world worked may or may not be the people who thrive during a, you know, relatively isolated pandemic training setup. So we have no idea what these results are going to look like. And some have been pretty predictable. You know, Dababa was good before. She's good now. Um, yeah. However, and Evans Chibet, 
has just become one of the best marathoners in history. Well, and speaking of upsets, kind of in the opposite direction, Jordan Hesse had yet another very disappointing outcome. She was 27th, running 2.33, which, you know, is a great time. But when you when you debut in a 2.20 and are, you know, eyeing the American record of 2.19 and change, 2.33 can't feel great. If I was in Hesse's place, I would almost rather debut I would, I'm certain I would rather debut at 233 and have people be like, she can't make it in the marathon and then come back and run to 220. Like if I could reverse that for her, I would. I, I have a feeling that many people would share that, that sentiment. But it's hard. She ran, you know, one of the fastest times in history in her first crack at the distance. And so hard to live up to. It's so hard to live up to. And I even... I felt like kind of a kind of a jerk writing a story that's like, you know, like another disappointment for Hase. But that's the that's true. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way she crosses the finish line in two thirty three, and she's like, heck yeah! Like, she might feel lukewarm about it. We don't know what her build was like. She was posting on Instagram about doing workouts at American record pace. So obviously, like, I guess she thought she could do it. I guess she, I mean she put that out there. Yeah, she thought on the right day that she could do it, and this is like fourteen minutes away from that. So, uh, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't. I don't uh, know Jordan Hesse personally, but there's, you know, this isn't a total meltdown, but it's no. it's not something I would imagine she's proud of. Moving on to the first track meet in the U.S. that we've seen in a number of months, called the track meet. <laughs> I love what we've- they called this. We've been talking about this for a while because, of course, as we mentioned last week, the Olympic qualification window reopened on the first of this month. So just last week, meaning that this was really like the first big attempt that a lot of runners, especially North American runners, would have at the 5,000 or the 10,000 of trying to achieve that Olympic standard. So, Maddie, I don't did you watch this live? Did you watch the the, the men's 5,000? Um, no, I did not watch it live because, um, it was in the middle of the night also, and I couldn't right. do that two nights in a row. Fair enough. So have you seen the race? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yes. I've seen the race since, but I didn't, I didn't watch it as it was happening. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Did you share in my extreme frustration watching this men's elite section of the 5,000 meter where their only goal was to get as many men under the Olympic standard of 1315 as possible. And they were off that pace from the moment they said go. Yeah, I didn't get it. It was like, okay, but different because what the what I'm about to reference was a championship. But do you remember the men's 1500 at Nationals in Edmonton? I want to say 2015 question mark when they ran like four minutes for a 1500 they went so so slowly to the point where people were like spectators were screaming at them someone run someone go they were booing them they were booing them because they literally went for a 12-man walk and it was like there was a world championship team to make like it was honestly the it was the most stressful race i've ever watched yeah, I do remember that. Because um, like nothing about that when you're going that slowly 
has to do with physical fitness. Like it's literally like just the position you're at with 150 to go. Okay. So that is incredibly frustrating to watch. Unfortunately, we do see it quite a bit, like you said, in those championship races, because it's like, you're right. It's like, who can go the slowest, the longest and save the most for that last 200 meter kick to get their spot. It becomes a 200 meter race. Mm -hmm. What's more frustrating about this for me is that there was absolutely nothing on the line for these men, except a chance to run standard in the first, like here, here's my, you know, I, I, and Full disclosure, I've been in many races where I've been really, really close to getting a standard or running a personal best, and I haven't, and I've been frustrated after, and I only have myself to be frustrated in because anyone who runs a track meet, a track race, and it goes slowly, and if you didn't take the lead and push the pace, you are definitely complicit in the outcome. Yeah, your fault. Yeah, well, I, I will totally own up to the fact that I've been in that situation. However, in the era of COVID, when people are taking risks frankly, calculated risks, but with their own health and probably the health of their community to fly from all corners of North America to go to California with the one goal of running standard. And they go out and do this little cat and mouse slow from the gun, like sprint finish run. And none of them end up hitting standard. And in fact, the person who wins is only one and a half seconds off of it. There's no prize money on the line. It's your placement doesn't qualify you for anything. Like, what were they thinking? They had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was, it was, I hope that a few of them after were like, hey, man, that was a really stupid. What we just did. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. really dumb. N- n- nice bro voice, by the way. <laughs> but I hope so. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, you guys just, I would kill to have something on the schedule oh. right now. I know. And I know. <laughs> watching that, and I was like, what do you mean? Anyway. I know. Infuriating. Hey, but so, at least, you know, Chuck ran a PB. So it wasn't. You know what? We're exaggerating. It wasn't like it was really slow to start and they figured it out a bit. But it was just the first few laps were hard to watch. Well, yeah. And and to be fair, I, I, I do commiserate a little bit with the competitors because they did have two rabbits and both of them went slow. Yeah. So there there is some, you know, responsibility on on the individuals in the race to keep track of how fast they're running, what their splits are. You know, there's nothing that says you can't go take over the lead from the rabbit or even say to a rabbit, pick it up, man. Like you're, you can say that to them in the race. I'm not sure what, you know, if that happened, but the the pacers didn't really do their job either, to be fair. No, Lucia Stafford is the queen of running rabbits off the track. Kate, you've experienced that. (laughs) Literally running me off the track. Uh, Maddie is referencing this uh, super speedy 800 that she and a number of our other national superstars ran last summer. And I paced for, I think my, my, my job was supposed to be to go through 400 meters in 58.5. Like it was just under 59, I think was the goal for me to lead you guys through. I got to about 372 meters and could not run another step because Lucia was like, passing me yeah she, and i couldn't and, and i think she ended up splitting a 57 like yeah it went <laughs> and like she paid for that in the end yeah. but um what gutsy run no but that's how she races anyway yeah that's an aside but that's how she runs but yes the uh the one sort of silver lining to this long drawn out story about the men's 5000 meter in california <laughs> our only canadian competitor in this whole track meet charles philibert tibido which by the way the announcers pronounced his name as far as I can tell, beautifully. I was like, I've never heard an American track announcer say his name so well. I was going to say, an American, in French. You don't say. 
It was brilliant. Anyway, he did run a pretty massive PB. He was fifth overall. He ran 13.22, seven seconds off that standard, but his old personal best was a full 11 seconds slower. So nice progress for Chuck, and hopefully he gets some more opportunities to uh, showcase his fitness. On the women's side, Shelby Houlihan and Elise Cranny, both of the Bowerman Track Club, both got Olympic standard, running 15.02 and 15.04, respectively. However, they've gone way faster than this yeah. and didn't actually really need this race to qualify because of their results from 2019. However, it's great that they have them. This will push them even further forward in the world rankings. It was probably just, you know, a fitness test, I would say. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And just fun, right? Like, again, if they haven't raced in a long time and they're fit, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, on the on the 10K the next day, this was Saturday, there were eight women who ran under the Olympic standard of 3125, which that to me is the most impressive piece of yeah, this whole meet. That's it. That was, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then on the men's side, four guys were able to get under that Olympic standard as well. So congrats to all the, uh, the 10Kers out there because they put on a great show. Uh, should we head over to Japan? Yeah, speaking of fast 10Ks. So, in Japan, as per Japanese style, 17 men broke 28 minutes in a 10K, <laughs> with the top three all going under the old Japanese record. So, for just a titch of context, we have one Canadian man in 2019, actually, is the year I used. Right. Um, I think only a handful have done it ever. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've only had seven men run under 28 minutes from the dawn of time (laughs) yes so good context there any old who we know japan is just so deep when it comes to the distance running and the women's race proved that as well which was won in 30 20 90 seconds faster than the canadian record and a new japanese record 30 20 for a woman's time is super impressive Japan had a couple of super speedy races over the weekend. The Fukuoka Marathon, which was kind of overshadowed by Valencia, understandably so. This has been a long-standing marathon where many of our past Canadian record holders have set their fastest times ever. In this case, however, because of COVID, it was a Japanese-only race, meaning that you could only compete if you were a man and you were of Japanese nationality or you live and train in Japan on a regular basis. There were only 70 entrants, and the winner was kind of a surprise, I think. 23-year-old Yoshida took the win in 207.05, which was a PB of almost a minute and a half. Super impressive. And of course, it would not be a complete rundown if we didn't have at least one doping-related story, and this is kind of a big one. So former 800 meter world champion Marina Arzamasova of Belarus, she's been on the circuit forever. She has been given a four year ban by the Athletics Integrity Unit after failing an out of competition anti-doping test. The test took place back in July of 2019, and it showed that she had something called LGD4033 in her system, which basically helps to stimulate muscle growth and I think is like used with people who have conditions where they actually have muscle wasting. It's totally banned. Like, not, it's just completely outright banned in competition, out of competition. There is no reason for you ever to have this in your system. Now, this is interesting because she's actually been provisionally suspended since August of 2019, and she fought that provisional suspension. She blamed her positive test on contaminated supplements, but the panel rejected this because she couldn't establish that it was not intentional. So she couldn't, you know, basically when 
Every once in a while, this happens. A supplement that claims to not have anything banned in it will have, you know, it'll have trace amounts of something. It's been cross-contaminated. If you're able to, you know, find that batch and prove where it came from, you get off the hook because that really wasn't your fault and you were basically lied to. She wasn't able to do that. So there was no, they decided there was no need to deliberate over the degree or fault of negligence is the wording that they used. And she was handed a four-year ban, which means she won't be able to compete again until 2023 because the ban starts retroactively in 2019. The kind of kicker about this is that if you all take your minds back to the Beijing World Championships in 2015, where Ms. Melissa Bishop Nuriagu ran a Canadian record and got the silver medal in the women's 800, Arzamasova was the one who won that title. So we don't know if she was doping at the time. The test, you know, came back in 2019, but it's a bit of a kick in the pants for someone who has to watch, you know, someone who beat them at a world championships get served one of the strictest bans you can get in our sport. Perhaps we should take a look at the women's 800 meter on the dirty stuff. On the dirty stuff. I was just, you were reading my mind, Maddie. And of course, we definitely want to do this event because you happen to have a uh, certain fondness for this particular part of our of track and field. I was so. literally about to say, well, we have Mosa Bishop who's good at that. And I was like, oh, yeah, me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I run our, it too. Our, our, our defending national champion. Yes, you. Little old you. <laughs> So, so listeners, that's it. That's our teaser. Stay tuned because we're going to do our next event will be the women's 800 and we'll try to determine, uh, we'll take a look at that top 10 list and try to determine kind of where it fits on our dirty or clean scale. Totally. Well, and then we've also, that event's kind of a mess because then we have also the DSD ruling, which has nothing to do with doping. Let me be very clear. Right. However, it does kind of mess with the rankings in that event. Yeah, it just complicates the story a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Or it adds to kind of the complexity of the story, I guess. But yeah, that'll be a really, really interesting one to take a look at. Um, so stay tuned, listeners, because that one will probably be coming up pretty soon. And in our final piece of news, the Diamond League is bringing back the 200-meter and the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Basically, Woo-hoo! if you remember back to 2019, I know, the world was different. Um, you think back to 2019, after their summer season, World Athletics came out with a whole new set of rules for the Diamond League with uh, slicing any event over the three thousand, the flat 3,000 meter and eliminating the 3,000 meter steeplechase and the 200 meter from the final, um, among some other stuff they did. And no one liked any of these changes in the running community. Well, it was ridiculous because their argument was they wanted to keep the television broadcast window to a tight 90 minutes because apparently the collective track and field audience doesn't have enough, you know, attention span to be able to or or appreciation for an event that lasts more than three minutes. What? (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, don't you think that's a problem with maybe perhaps your commentating and storytelling and uh, how you present this and not. Oh yeah. Like if people can watch a four hour football game, they can watch two hours of running. Thank you. It's not that there's a problem with running. It's that there's a problem with how we market our sport. Absolutely. Any (laughs) way that's a, that's a whole different conversation, but basically like every rule they made in 2019 that nobody liked, they reversed for 2021. So some good, Very exciting. A good news story. Very good news story. 
And we will finish off with one final hot off the press news story, which is that the U.S. Olympic marathon trials winner from 2020, Alphine Tuliamuk, has announced that she is pregnant. She is expecting a baby girl very soon in the new year and plans to give birth and then get right back to training so that she can be ready for the 2021 games. Go Alphine and husband. Honestly, I'm so happy for her. But the sentence you just said makes me so anxious. Like <laughs> popping out a kid and getting right back on the track. Whoa, mama. Yeah, seven months to Olympics. Yeah. Listen, lots of people have done it. Oh, yeah, they definitely have. It's entirely sure. possible. I, my brain, and all of that uncertainty would have a difficult time. But I, like, I get it. Like, she's been doing this for a long time. She had planned in 2020 to start a family. So she freaking started a family in 2020. Totally. Kudos. And you know what? It, like, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But she's giving herself the opportunity. She is due the second week of February. She, they are planning to name their baby Zoe, Love. which I think is such a sweet name. And that will then give her six months, a full six months, Maddie, to recover from childbirth and then build back up towards the Olympics. But again, I think it's just great that she's putting it out there, that this is still her plan. I'm sure she'll be you know, smart and you know, well-informed about how to do this. But uh, super, super cool. We're very excited for Alphine and her husband, Tim, and baby girl Zoe on the way. How cool is that, that her six-month-old daughter will get to be, actually, who knows, might get to be at the Olympics to watch her mom yeah. run a marathon. At least probably watch her on TV. I know. <laughs> I said get to be there, and I was like, oh, we don't know that. Yeah. But, yeah. no, super, super cool, super excited, rooting for her. Maddie, what are you looking forward to coming up? What am I looking forward to? I ordered a, a a Christmas dress, like I'm a little kid. Um, okay, that's cute. But I ordered a Christmas dress, and uh, we have our 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 office Christmas party on Friday night. Don't worry, no one's going anywhere. We will be staying home, and we will all be getting takeout, which is super cool. But I'm gonna wear my mm. freaking Christmas dress. Yeah, because. I will not. Because you can. Because I can't. I'm not going to let a pandemic take away my ability to get strangely dressed up to stay home. So I've talked about this in the past, but for most of my life, I have sung with a group called the Toronto Children's Chorus. I was in their choir as an actual child, as the name implies. And then I have been singing in the alumni choir for uh what is this 17 17 years so this is going to be my 27th consecutive christmas concert with the toronto children's chorus but of course i was so bummed because i was like man it's gonna be the first time in 27 years that i don't get to sing this year no 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 we're going virtual <laughs> we had our first rehearsal last night with like 40 people singing on a zoom call it was so fun um, but we have to record our own voice part and then submit it so that they can kind of patch this whole like virtual concert together. But that's what they told us to do. They're like, shoot a video of yourself singing the piece, wearing, you know, a men have to wear black dress shirts and women have to wear black dresses with minimal jewelry and tasteful hair and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, and then you can just wear boxers or sweatpants on the bottom. <laughs> so that'll be my dress up for Christmas as well. Good thing you have a, you have a history with audio. 
I, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I can sit in my closet and use my studio mic. and It's going to be great. Maybe not for the video part, but definitely for the audio. Yeah. I was given tips on the Zoom call. I was like, here's how to, how to set up your pillows against your headboard so that it creates a really nice dry sound. All right, yeah. everyone. So you're going to get in your closet. You're going to get real cozy <laughs> with your sweaters. And I don't mean in them. I mean around them. Oh yes, the magic of the magic of audio, all the things that you as listeners don't uh, don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to know how the sausage gets made. No, we give you a little glimpses every now and then, but no one really wants to know. <laughs> anyway, um, Maddie, I will see you on Friday at our Zoom office party in your new Christmas dress. I'm looking very much forward to it. Thank you. Are we actually zooming? I don't know. Oh, Are we? I know you and I can zoom. I'd um, love that. Let's zoom. I bought some eggnog. For your week in review, I'm Maddie. And I'm Kate. And we'll do this all next week.